Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Friday version of the Two Guys in a Mic show. Thank you for joining us. Big, big sports weekend coming up. Lots to talk about. Had some action as well yesterday. Watched a couple of playoff games yesterday. One of the NHL variety, one of the NBA variety right here in Chicago as the Bulls in a uh, easy win. Haven't had many of those. Bulls in an easy win, a cakewalk, if you will. They move on to meet the Miami Heat. We'll sneak in a little baseball talk as well. Coach of the Big Dog at your service. Up until 11 o'clock, enjoy the music for the next five and a half seconds of the TalkZone.com. Each and every day we get different music. That one sounds familiar, though. I feel like I've heard that before. I feel like I've heard that before. Ah, welcome, everybody, again, a Friday version of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. We appreciate your take a little bit of time out to join us here in the... Uh, Two guys at a mic show where we talk sports and more. My good friend, Big Dog, Joel Radwanski, not on the video screen, although there's a vicious rumor that he may be coming in next week. Ladies, the ladies, you may be able to see him up close and personal instead of just a picture. But right now, we got to settle for a picture and his rather sultry voice. Joel, give me your best sultry voice and welcome, everybody, to the Two Guys at a Mic show. Good morning. Morning break. I mean, what's the name of our show, Coach? Two Guys at a Mic, man. <laughs> Oh, the, you know what? The, it got weak at the end. The good morning, though, was pretty good. Oh, okay, good, Coach. That was good. solid. I should sound kind of sultry because, uh, you know, I've had a very relaxing last couple of days. I guess. You know, the, I have to admit, last night, because when I, I was watching the Bulls game last night, Coach, and this is what I asked, if you remember. I was like, they need a double-digit lead in the first quarter, and then they just need to put the medal down for the next three. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want any type of tense situation. I didn't want to hear. Because, like, my, my house is like Union Station. L- legitimately, at least 10 different groups of people came to my house last night. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. I'm not kidding. So, uh, you know, I'll, like, five of them will be like, oh, the Bulls are going to lose. And the other five will be like, oh, who? You know, it's just like people freak out over a Chicago sports team. So it was actually nice to not have to have people freaking out at the house and everybody having a good time watching the. Derrick Rose and company get it done in game six. You didn't hear like in the middle of the first quarter, Berwin next up, Berwin. Wasn't that much of a union station, was it? No, it wasn't okay. like that. All right. And you didn't have the red line meeting the purple line or any other lines, I hope? Um, Just feel free to say no. I, those colors, no. <laughs> 888-463-6748. That's not a uh, line for the L train station or Union Station. That's our phone number here if you want to join us on the two guys at a mic show. We'll lead it off as uh, the big dog said with the uh, Chicago Bulls talk. It was an easy victory over the Atlanta Hawks. Don't use that sultry voice anymore. You threw me completely off at the beginning. Well, just as long as they don't throw David Olson off. That, that might be hard to do. I'll tell you what though, the way you said go, you get a couple of drinks of me and you throw another good morning at me, Big Doug, you might have me. Hook, line, and, and stinker. Good morning, Coach Cohen. Oh, man, you're killing me. You're killing me. A few of us go to places that we've never been to before. <laughs> oh. 
How about talk about Chicago Cub pitcher today? Who the hell's pitching today? Ryan Dempster. Give me the sultry voice analyzing a Ryan Dempster. Uh, actually, so far through the no, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. first seventh, the start of the season, the only thing Spolter I can say about Ryan Dempster is I, that... I didn't particularly care about Ryan Dempster. I just wanted to hear some sports analysis in your sultry voice, which you appear to be very good at. Coach, Ryan Dempster's 7.2 ERA is not indicative of how he's pitched <laughs> so far this season. Quite honestly, he's been worse. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, he's really got to get his act together. I think Ryan we, Dempster. We got I don't care about Ryan Dempster right now. We got to get a character. Uh, we we may have to invent or create a character based on your uh, new voice, which I just kind of throw out there at the beginning. But apparently, you're pretty good. I don't know if you've used it before, used it on radio, but there may be a new character on the show starting on Monday. Hey, Coach, just put it this way: I, I'm a 38 year old man. Mm-hmm. Without a car, I gotta have something going for me. So that's like the sultry voice is one of the few okay. things that I have going right. for me. Well, you, you got it working. Who needs automobiles when you got a voice like that? All right, we'll get to Ryan Dempster and the Cubs in a little bit. We got to lead off with the Chicago Bulls and NBA talk. They did, as you said, big dog. They listened to the lesson that you told them over the phone, over the airwaves yesterday was an easy victory, start to finish. Really, never in doubt. I thought the Atlanta crowd was ready to. Uh, Get behind their team. They look pretty particularly fired up. They had the whiteout going. They had the towels going. What did their shirts say? It said, uh, believe? Now, you know, when I heard when I heard that there was a whiteout in Atlanta, I thought that meant the one white person was, like, having dinner. Could be. In a restaurant. Could be. It's but possible. I, then I found, saw everybody in the, in the crowd with a white shirt on. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to tell you this, Coach, and when I'm wrong, I'll admit it. The crowd for Atlanta was not front runners or anything last night. They no. actually came up and, and were yep. a really, really great crowd, especially considering yep. how the Bulls controlled the game. Yeah, Bulls took them out of the game, but you're, you are definitely right. That crowd was ready to get behind their team. If Atlanta would have got on a good start or gotten on any kind of a roll, that place would have really been a home crowd advantage. But Big Dog, you know from playing sports at the highest levels, uh, except high school, college, or pro, um, the be it's hard to get the crowd going when you get them right from the beginning. The visiting team, in this case the Bulls, uh, you know, got off to a quick start and got the crowd out of the game. I thought that was a big key early. Yeah, so that uh, so I obviously you know missed that portion of the game too because I was like you know make sure the crowd doesn't get into it or not. That's why you got to get out to that early lead. And like you said, it, it, it didn't matter. The Bulls grabbed that ten point lead, and the fans in Atlanta were still backing them. So I was. I was impressed with Atlanta. They mm-hmm. normally don't act that way. Mm-hmm. So. I've been one of the few people in Chicago on the case of Derrick Rose saying he needs to play better and pass the ball more. I thought the way he played yesterday, Big Dog, is recipe for success. He did not dominate the ball. He made a lot of good passes. Other players got involved in the team. I was very happy with the way Derrick Rose played. I appreciate the fact that Derrick listened to me and took my lessons to heart. And, and I'm also very appreciative of his coach, Tom Thibodeau. Appreciate it who after the game was, he mentioned, Derrick Rose hasn't taken a bad shot yet in this playoff. Ah! He just let you know he said it. Yeah. He said that the the way the games have played have forced Derrick to take shots. Uh. That, well, just let you know, and, and it made a lot of sense to that. And, and Didn't it, make any sense it, to me. It, it, well, there have been times where the defense has done a really good job of sewing in Derrick Rose and forcing him to shoot from like 20 feet. Well, now, we, he, we have to, he has to avoid that and play more like game six coach. There's no question about that. If Derrick Rose is getting 20 points and 12 assists, mm-hmm. 
you wrap up the title. And, a, and he's shooting 50% from the field with yep. three turnovers. Yep. The Bulls win. Period. Yeah, I, I agree right. with you. Who was I talking to yesterday? You know, gave me the standard response when I said I rose to him. Well, you know, he's got no choice. You know, what else is he supposed to do? Nobody else can score. What a bunch of garbage that is. No, no. I, and by the way, I didn't. I wasn't saying that. No, no, no. I, I didn't say you. It was, it was somebody else yeah. I was talking to who gave the standard line that, you know, so many fans and even some of the media, quote unquote, experts will say, well, who else is he going to pass to? Well, yeah. I, I would. It really isn't a matter of choice. He's been forced to. But no, wait, I don't get that. What do you mean he's been forced to? I, I, I he's been forced to shoot. In, the other day when Dallas was, uh, I mean Dallas, excuse me, Atlanta was double teaming them and stuff. They were doing it in a way where it was really hard for him to get the ball to the to the guy that left. Okay. To the open guy, and and I really felt like. Sometimes you got to tip your head to the opponent and be like, hey, they played an unbelievable game plan against Derrick Rose and mm-hmm. forced them to shoot 10 to 27. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it didn't feel, when he went 10 to 27 the other night, it did not feel like when Allen Iverson used to go 10 to 27, where he, it legitimately would he be the ball stopper, not mm-hmm. pass, and then all of a sudden that, with the last second throw up a fadeaway jump shot that clanks off the rim. I thought he took some bad shots in that 10 out of 27 too, but... Uh... Well, let's not focus on the negative. Let's focus on the positive because he played a great game yesterday, as did the entire Chicago Bull team. Contributions from everybody, Big Dog, including the bench mob is back. The last couple yeah. of games, the subs have really, really come in and, and, yeah. and done well. I know you're a big bench mob fan. Without question. And the key to winning NBA championships, mm-hmm. everybody knows you're going to have the two superstars or whatever the heck you want to, you want to say. But it's... Having a great bench is key, and and let's and let's let's focus on with the, what's coming up. The series coming up, the Bulls Heat. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bulls, and the Miami Heat bench, by the way, uh, not as bad as pe- people will tell you. It, it, it well, it, it's much much improved. Uh, uh, let's face it, all of us that are in the sports watch the Bulls. If you're a Bulls fan all year long, and we were watching Heat games too, mm-hmm. the Heat bench was horrific early on. For two reasons, a lot of unknown players, and they had never played together because basically they had to put a ragtag team of assassins together in the last month and a half of the summer in order to get it, uh, 12 guys on the floor. But you're right now, Coach, uh, that, that Joel Anthony. Woo! Talk about an improvement. In a guy. I remember a month ago I was thinking, can you imagine if Amir Ashik is up against this guy? He's going to run him up and down mm-hmm. the floor. It's, it's, the kid's improved a lot. Eddie House can shoot. James Jones can shoot, so they've got a couple specific guys known for stuff. Juwan Howard is our <laughs> Kurt Thomas. You, you I, know what I, and, and you can rip on Juwan Howard or Kurt Thomas. I know Kurt Thomas didn't play anything against Atlanta, and he shouldn't have because Al Horford would have legitimately tied him up in a lasso and sent him home. But this series, watch Big Sexy how big he'll be this week. Mm-hmm. This series against Miami, all of a sudden, Kurt, Kurt Thomas is going to start getting some really important minutes for the for the Chicago. Bulls. Long as he does not take minutes away from my guy Omar Ashik. But um, now let, let me ask you: Well, first of all, Juwan Howard, you mentioned his name. I was shocked. I didn't watch as much Miami Heat basketball as you did, Big Dog, during the year. I feel perfectly comfortable. My sports talk uh, radio sports talk host comfort level to admit that I had no idea that Juwan Howard was still playing for the Miami Heat. I had no idea Juwan Howard was still in the NBA. The guy's got to be 47 years old. Well, no, no, he's he's my age. He's 38. Oh, come uh, on. He's, a, he's the second oldest guy in the league after Kirk Thomas. 38? Where did he get his birth certificate from? Uh, uh, Jose Contreras? I don't know. Talk to somebody at Chicago Vocational School. Cause that's, yeah, that's, isn't that where he's from?
from. Yeah, I think he graduated at the age of 24. That's high school, by the way, not college. Yeah, this is good. Well, at least he graduated. Jo- yeah. You know, Juwan Howard was going to retire, and then uh, LeBron took his talents with Chris Bosh to Miami. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, Juwan Howard, uh, I'll take the mid-level exemption, and I'll play for the <laughs> Oh, and he basically uh, he signed the contract. He's, I, they got to have somebody. They need a backup center, don't they? So, I, I honestly a- thought he had been out of the NBA for like the last three years. I was shocked. I was like, who is that? He looks familiar. Oh. Who is that guy? Jawan Howard? Are you kidding me? Three years ago, he was out of the NBA, even though he was still in it. Uh. And then two years ago, <laughs> yeah. in Portland, he played phenomenal last year, Coach. He actually got votes for sixth man of the year. That's how well Jawan Howard mm-hmm. played last okay. season for the Trailblazers. And then, so this year, he could have signed with any team in the league. Legitimately, that's how good of a season Jawan Howard had a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, and Miami was more than willing. They're like, heck yeah, you're still on top of your game. You don't care if you score. All you care about is getting the ring. Because, you know, at, at a certain point, after you sign a $100 million contract and then you sign a couple other big deals and you don't have a championship ring at that point, yep. you know, you're more than willing to accept, accept making like a a measly $5.8 million to go after a championship. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, way, way to lower yourself, Juwan. Yeah, not, not to pick on him, but, yeah, athletes will do that. Uh, take take minuscule money like that to win a championship, God forbid. But uh, it's going to be good stuff, Big Doe. Looking forward to it. Opens up on Sunday. Bulls taking on the Miami Heat. We eliminate the Atlanta Hawks four games to two. It's a good series. Kept the Bulls, if nothing else, I think what the Atlanta Hawks did, and uh, even our first opponent, why is my brain escaping me right now? Who do we beat? Uh, Indiana. Yeah, that's, would, but would would you agree both those teams uh, how do I uh, kept the knife sharp, shall we say? Yeah, without a doubt. And, yeah. and anybody who's worried as a Bulls fan, being like, oh, dude, it took them five games to beat the Pacers and mm-hmm. six to beat Atlanta. Yeah. I just want to say, any, just go back to the six championship seasons of the Chicago Bulls and look at their road to the to the finals. You're going to be shocked to find yeah. out that a couple times Cleveland beat them by 30. Mm-hmm. You know, and when the Bulls lost to Cleveland by 30 in 1992, and all of a, and it was in Game One of the 1992 Eastern Conference Finals, they were the defending champions. They had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on the team. Nobody was like, "Oh no, oh no, they're not playing well enough." They were like, "Oh, watch out for Game Two. And that what mm-hmm. happened? The Bulls blew them out. Game yep. two. So uh, it, it just cracks me up when I hear people being like, "You know, Miami is, has looked a lot better in the playoffs than the Bulls, so they must be the favorite." Mm-hmm. Go ahead, everybody. Make Miami the favorite. That's what I've wanted since day one. Make sure the Bulls are laying in the weeds. And if I hear one more person say, I'm I'm picking the Bulls with my heart, but my head tells me the heat. <laughs> Shut up, okay? Get it, go home. Make up your mind. Okay, the Bulls are winning this series, Coach. I, I, I'm, I'm, not saying that just out of, I'm not saying that just out of pure love of the Bulls and my, my gaining love of Derrick Rose. And, and Luol Dang and, and the boys. I, I, I just love the Bulls matchup at point guard and center. And, and I, and I will agree the bench at the Heat is, is a much improved from what we thought it was in December and January. Mm-hmm. But the Bulls bench, best in the NBA. Up against a, a bench that we're talking about is much improved. Much improved versus the best usually gets hammered. Mm-hmm. I feel really good about this series, Coach. Really, really good. Fired up, passionate, confident. Big dog Joel Radwanski joining me and the two guys at a mic show. You want to uh, add to the fire to the big dog or maybe, God forbid, put some cold water on that fire. Feel free to uh, challenge the big dog on his thoughts, his opinions, or uh, his extracurricular activities. I encourage the latter, by the way. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Glad you warned me in advance because I was almost going to come out later in the show and say, 
I, you know, in my heart, I'm picking the Bulls, but my head says go with the Heat. But I, but I'm not saying it. Now that you warned me in advance, I'm you know. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I'm okay. just putting it out there. But but I, I do think you're right that I think uh, in the end, there's a good likelihood we are going to thank the Indiana Pacers. We're going to thank the Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. for keeping up. Sure, you can't cut a filet mignon, big deal. You can't cut a good steak if you don't got a sharp knife. So maybe we'll look back at these series and uh, hey, you know, the two good teams, Bulls disposed of them, and we kept their edge. Yeah, when you when you think about the Pacers, you can say, well, you know, they're they're an seed and the Pacers are not that good. Well, an eighth seed in the West took out a four time yep. defending champion. Yep. Okay, and and Atlanta, well, you can say, oh, they're not that good. I, I told you right before the series, I was like, coach, everybody loves Orlando. Atlanta's one of the best teams in the East that no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know, so Atlanta's a team that destroyed Orlando. Orlando went to the finals two years ago. Mm-hmm. Orlando has everybody's uh, greatest center in the world in Dwight Howard. So uh, I really don't think the Miami Heat are that much better than Atlanta, Coach. Well, you know, and Honestly. the you might be right. I hope I hope in a couple of weeks we could look back at it and say you were exactly right. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I didn't watch a lot of Atlanta Hawk basketball. I was fairly confident. I knew, you know, pretty much who they were. The the two surprises, one surprise, surprised not just me, but everybody, including his coach and his teammates, Jeff Teague. But the, the guy I didn't realize Big Dog was as good as he is, and he made the Hawks better. And that's the other uh, big fellow, six foot nine inch with the quick feet, Josh Smith. I didn't know how good he was. Yeah, yeah you know, Josh Smith is uh, a physical specimen and he has athletic ability yep. unlike anybody at the NBA that's six foot ten, two hundred and sixty five yep. pounds. He's just below Dwight Howard in terms of mm-hmm. unbelievable body and athleticism. Mm-hmm. You know, that 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 that, that I, combination. And I read his name in box scores, maybe seen a highlight or two. I've never really gotten to watch him play and I knew about Jamal Crawford who was disappointing. Knew about Joe Johnson, knew a little about Al Horford, complimentary player. Josh Smith is the guy that took Atlanta Hawks from a good team. They're not great yet, but to that next level and gave the Bulls a challenge. Well, the one thing he can't do, coach, he's yep. not a skilled player he cannot shoot and his passing is in question and his shooting has been so bad that all the atlanta fans just, oh! every time he's shot over 10 feet have you noticed that it is it's a what do you have i noticed it's one of the storylines of the series it's hilarious not and the funny thing is it's not when he shoots it's like when he catches the ball on the perimeter and even thinks about shooting they're all no <laughs> i think it's hilarious we needed that when charles oakley was a bull I know a lot of people remember Charles Oakley as being like, oh, he was a defensive presence and yeah. a rebounder. Uh-huh. I was the one person, when he got traded for Bill Cartwright, I think I was the only Bulls fan that was jumping for joy. <laughs> I, I could not, he would shoot so many bad jump shots, just like uh, Josh Smith. That it, uh, so, like, I, I feel for Atlanta fans um, in a uh, sense uh, with that guy. I'm Jerry Krause, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to miss the big oak tree. He gave us seven fine years here with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, he uh, averaged 12 rebounds a game. Yeah. He, and he also took seven jump shots from two inches inside the three-point line, the game that he never hit. <laughs> oh, goodness. How about Carlos Boozer? He has a, you know, a stat line is good, Big Dog. 23 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. I don't know who keeps track of assists, by the way, but somebody is very generous the in the NBA. Score. Huh? The official score. Well, somebody's very basketball. generous because I know basketball. You know, to me, an assist is when it directly leads to a basket. And I watched the entire game. I don't remember Carlos Boozer with any. See his two bounce passes to Joe Kim Noah for dunks. Oh, I remember no. one, a little high-low feed where he made a quick pass. I remember the one. I don't remember There's the. Two of them. 
He had two to Noah that were dunks. Coach, just to let you know, in order, the only way you can get a, okay. uh, an assist in the NBA is if you throw the ball to somebody. Yeah. If they don't move at all, they can wait 10 seconds and shoot you and still get the assist. If they take more than two steps after your pass, mm-hmm. it's no longer an assist. Well, see, that's so, that's just the, That is the technical uh, yeah. definition of an assist. Well, NBA. I'm here to tell you that technically they're wrong. And that the assist might be the most overrated stat. Even Derrick Rose, you know, seven assists a game, nine assists a game, 11 assists a game. You know, last night he probably had three or four. And that was one of his better games. He had 12 assists last I night. Un- okay, 12 assists. I'm telling you, I watched the game and there were maybe three or four, maybe, maybe last night five or six. What I would call, you know, really good passes that led to baskets. Five or six, not 12 in his I, ordinary I, I, game. I can think of 12 that led to baskets. Oh, you're full of it. Come on, you're just playing a company line here. Well, me of all people you say that about, I'm the first one to throw our teams under the bus. That'll actually tell the truth when they suck. Okay, Derrick Rose had a great game last night, and the whole offense went through him again. Oh, and by the way, they won by 20 mm-hmm. in a clinching I, game in the Eastern Conference semis. I opened up the show, Big Dog, by saying that I was very happy the way last night, the way Derrick Rose Plate. My point that I'm on right now is that and it's not just on Derrick Rose, is that the assist statistic in the NBA is way overrated and uh, quite so frankly you pretty... Go, you want them to go to the college stat where you can only take I, I, one You know step. what? It's it's the eye test. I, I well, know a good just, passer when I see him. It's the eye test. Have you ever noticed in college, like, the guy will lead the lead America and have seven assists a game in the, in the NBA? I know there's eight more minutes played in NBA games and there's mm-hmm. a lot more points. Have you ever noticed, like, the guy who leads the NBA will have 12 and a half, and the guy who leads college basketball will have seven and a half? Interesting. It, it, the reason is, is because in college, they give you, if a guy takes more than one step with the ball after you pass it, mm-hmm. it's no longer a, an assist. Yeah, well, so, that's, that's completely ridiculous. So if I make a, let's say I get a rebound, take a couple of steps into the outside, I spot a guy racing down the right sidelines and fire a beautiful pass to him, and he takes two or three dribbles in for a layup, I don't get the assist? You do not get the assist. Okay, but on the other hand, if somebody swings the ball to me at the top of the key and I and see a shooter. Out, and you bail out and just chuck it to a guy who catches yes. it and swings it up. Yeah. And he hits a miracle bank That's shot. That's an assist? You would get an assist. Okay, well, there, you know, my point well taken. Well, no, no, I understand what you're getting from, Coach, but I, there's got to be some type of standard, and who cares if it's a statistic? It doesn't make a difference in okay. who wins or loses right. the game. So well, that's, uh, that's, I wouldn't get too upset. Right. Well, no, I just want to make it clear to our vast listening audience of NBA analysts out there and NBA fans that uh, just because you're high up in assist doesn't mean you are a good passer. The best way to no, judge... No, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. One game, yes, you could be right. Over the course of a season, of a yeah. guy averaged 10 assists a uh-huh. game, he probably is a pretty yeah. good passer coach, considering only one or two guys in the league average 10 assists a game. Not based on the uh, the information that we just gave out. I think it's the Over eye test. Over can... games, it equals out, Coach. Eh, not so sure. I think it's so inaccurate. I'm not saying it's completely useless, but I'm not so sure it does equal out, Big Dog. It's the eye test. You watch games, you can tell who the good pa- who are the guys that lead players into other baskets that make the great passes. That's and, the way. And if you're trying to tell me Derrick Rose doesn't, then you really need to rethink what you're. Oh, I think Derrick Rose is probably a below average passer among point guards in the NBA. Yeah. No way. I think so. Not 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 in this me first time of. Yeah. I, I can start naming better passers. I. Up and down every single roster, mm-hmm. okay. And if you if you try to tell me anyone that you say might be better, like you say, well, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo has 
three Hall of Famers that he can throw the ball to. Of course, he looks like he's a good passer. Well, but but on the other hand, up. look at it this way, Big Doe. Rajon Rondo, when he's got the ball, uh, those three other guys are guarded. He doesn't draw double teams and triple teams because of the other great players. So it's harder. It's harder. So here's the expertise you get from the coach, the insights there. It's harder for Rajon Rondo to get an assist. Derrick Rose draws two or three. Go- when he drives, everybody collapses on him. I, if I had the skill of Derrick Rose, I could average 15 assists a game without hardly sneezing a couple times. It's easier for Rose to get assists than it is for Rajon Rondo. You're totally wrong about this. I don't think so. Now, when the Chicago Bulls, when they had the most overrated coach in the history of the NBA, and you can ask Scott Pollard about it because he just claims that's what Phil Jackson was. When when they were playing in the 1990s, Mm -hmm. their idea of stopping passes to the to the lane was not to was not to like double team Shaquille O'Neal or any big man. They would make sure they'd be in the face of the point guard and and try to even double team the guy with the ball. To make sure that he couldn't pass properly, so I'm going to totally dis. And I, 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 whenever I think about how do you stop like great passing, I don't think of defending people that are going to get the ball. I always think about being in the face of the guy with the ball. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, mm-hmm. coach. Okay, so uh, a lot of times you know, when you have when you're Derrick Rose and you have a whole team changing which way they come with the double team, it's not so easy, okay? It's not easy to be a great passer in the NBA because you got five great defensive players on the court about 95% of the time in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 888-463-9748. You're a point guard out there. You want to join the uh, argument as a big dog and a coach or in opposite corners here. Big dog might need a cut man in a couple of minutes. But, uh, again, triple eight four six three. Did I throw where the heck I forgot the phone number? Help me out, David Olson. 888-463-6748. Correct. And I it's said a, it's up on the screen. Too, it is. So it is. Yes. So in other words, I don't need to be repeating this on a regular basis. Are you trying to tell me? I, we need to get back to this. You <laughs> yes. trying to tell me Derrick Rose isn't a better passer than Baron Davis or Brandon Roy? I, okay, Jason Kidd. Brandon Roy is not a point guard. Great, yeah, he is. No, he's not. Brandon Roy is not a point. Who plays point guard for the? Portland Trailblazers coach. Not Brandon Roy. Yeah. Or I call him Brandon Wah. Yeah. He does. Huh? He's a point guard. He's, he's not the point, point guard. guard. He's a two guard. Sometimes they play him at the three. No, he doesn't play the three ever. He's their, he's their one and their two. It's all about matchups. He's their two and their three. Okay, so is he better? Mike Conley. Is he a better passer than Derrick Rose? No. Well... I can keep going on every. I, 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 you know, I haven't. I haven't got past Mike Conley. Derrick Rose is a little bit better than a below-average passer. Like yeah, for for player. NBA point guards. Yeah. You know, you know what it is, Coach? Is for some reason you have some self-loathing. <laughs> oh, if the Cubs get a call, oh, I didn't agree with it. Oh, that was that was a horrible call that went for the Cubs. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that Michael Jordan overrated. Yeah, Michael Jordan. I, I don't know. What no, I didn't Derrick say Rose Michael Jordan was overrated. Derrick Rose. Oh, sunshine and happiness. I can't believe it. <laughs> Michael Jordan was a great player, but he too was way overrated on the skill of passing. People thought he was a good passer. He was a below he was average a passer. passer. Coach. Huh? He was a good passer because nobody in the history of the NBA has had more thirty point games with eight or more assists in the game. Yeah, there, there we go with that assist and column second, again. And hold on, you didn't want he would all consistently get people easy layups. No, he wouldn't get consistently. You'd have to watch a whole season. Six and a half assists a game for. Oh, stop with the six and a half assists, eight assists a game. I watch Michael Jordan play; he's a phenomenal player. Obviously, you can't see a dang thing. I can see a lot, big dog. He was a Michael Jordan.
Crawford wasn't a great passer, you did not know much about basketball. Great defender, great competitor, unbelievable scorer. He was a below-average passer. You'd have to watch a season full of, of Chicago Bull basketball games back in the day to get a highlight tape of Michael Jordan. Really good passes. You want to see a really good pass? Jason Kidd. There's a really good passer. Michael Jordan never threw passes like Jason Kidd. Hey, no, no, hold on a second. Hold on. I, I am not going to compare the guy with the second most assists all time in the history of the NBA as a mm-hmm. passer to Michael Jordan. Obviously not. Oh, and by the way, point guard Jason Kidd, shooting guard Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So what, what assist you really want to compare the guys? Let's get them. That's like trying to tell me that, you know, uh, Walter Payton, you know, should have been a quarterback because he had a good arm. Hey. So it's, it's Half of big dog, half of Mike, half of Mike, half of Michael Jordan's assists were kickouts to Steve Kerr and John Paxson. And you call that great passing? Well, yeah, you hit a wide open guy. The the double team came from the the double team came from the point guard. Yeah. So you get the ball back to the guy with the double team came. And the guy makes the shot. All right, that's fine. That's good strategy. I don't think that makes Michael Jordan a great passer or an above average passer. You what? Because he hits an open man. He yeah. Because he hits an open man. Above average passer. The only year he, the only time he played point guard was for like 15 games at the end of the 1988-89 season. (laughs) During that time, he had like 12 out of 14 games Uh at triple double, and that's when he was playing point guard. And when you watch those games uh, at the end of the 88-89 season, it was unreal, unreal. He He, got people open. All game long. He had a few. I can't remember the years. He assist that season, Coach, and he only played point guard for like 15 games. You've got a better photographic memory as as far as me, as far as the exact years. There were a few brief moments in time when Michael Jordan did uh, move up to an above-average passer, but they were brief moments over a long career. Big dog, your whole triple-double thing. We've already talked about how ridiculous the assist statistic is in the NBA when we gave the example that we just gave, and I'm sure there's 10 more examples like that so I, did, I, I didn't agree with you i don't think the assist statistic is stupid or wrong well but we gave course s- of, over a course of 82 games yeah it's going to play out where guys that are great passers have more assists than guys that are bad passers mm-hmm. it, it, and don't tell me it won't happen that way well yeah, it will really but not but, basketball i'm not saying it's completely irrelevant the assist statistic over the long course of a season but i think it's um it's not real relevant either. I think it's somewhere in the vast in between. In fact, it might even be below the Mason Dixon line a little bit. So I'll, I'll agree with you, un poco, that over the course of the season, the assist stat will indicate uh, a good passer. Again, I'm not saying it's completely insignificant, but no, I don't think over the course of a season. I think it's so inaccurate, especially based on what I've seen in the NBA playoffs. We're like Boozer last night, you know, with five or six assists. I don't remember that many great passes from Carlos Boozer. I remember one. You remember two. Well, he's got six assists. How do, how do you, you know, go figure? Yeah, he ended up with five assists yesterday. Okay. Coach, he was moving the ball. Yeah, Carlos yeah. Boozer had his best game in the playoffs without a doubt yesterday. Yeah, and I got I, issues with him, too. I, I, well, no, I, yeah, I'm not a Boozer fan. I do, I, I'll have yeah. issues with Boozer. Oh, Carlos, uh, Carlos Boozer is back. If he can play like that, we're going to beat the Miami Heat. No. No, if, if he takes 15-foot fall-away jumpers, you will lose to the Miami Heat. I like Carlos Boozer. Uh, unfortunately, he's not a multi-million-dollar player, but I think he rebounds. But if you're going to beat the Miami Heat, you show me some replays that I don't think there are already yesterday of Carlos Boozer getting down to the post, drop step, power up for a strong layup, or God forbid, a slam dunk. Now, no, you, no, you're, you, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. He, he he had like he went to the hole in a pick and roll like twice, 
But other than that, he took far yep. too many yep. fadeaway jump shots from 15 yep. feet. And I know, and you're right. He hit him yesterday. Yep. That's not an indication of success for me. Yeah. That, that you're you're right on that one, coach. Mm-hmm. He, he is not playing the style that is conducive right. to the Bulls beating the Heat. Got a weird looking shot, doesn't he? Well, you know what it is? is he's so much shorter than the guys going up against him. He kind of like has to create space, and that's yep. I think what happens. He's falling away, but it's 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 like he starts at a lower point and. Uh, Puts the big arc on the ball. Basically, when he shoots it, you think there's no chance in hell it's going in. But last night, you know, give the guy his due. It was on, he was on fire. Nine of eleven, I think, at one point. Yeah, he was. I, I do know he was definitely four or five. Yeah. Definitely, he started the game in the first quarter four or five, and it felt like mm-hmm. he had eight points or ten points in the like like of the first fifteen Bulls points. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was really rolling. Now, if you are doing a scouting report, any Miami Heat fans uh, listening, any Miami Heat scouts, players, uh, I'll do you a favor here. Obviously, I'm a Bulls fan, but it's pretty clear if you're scouting the Chicago Bulls after watching them play Big Dog intensively for the last couple of series, see if you're with me here. A, when Carlos Boozer gets ball on the perimeter, and the announcer said it last night, uh, Hubie Brown, you know, get right up on him. Make him put the, he's not a threat to put the ball on the ground. Get right up on him and don't let him shoot. B, when Joakim Noah gets the ball and starts always driving stuff, do not let him beat you with the left hand. If he's going to score, make him score with his right hand. Significantly weaker there. C, when you're guarding Keith Bogans, do not let him shoot the three. If he does shot fake and drive into the paint for a stop and pop, let him shoot. He cannot hit a two-pointer. Just don't let him shoot a three-pointer. Those are my three Friendly words of advice for the Miami Heat. Are you with me on all three? No, no. You're definitely right about the first two. I don't think – I don't – think that the the four shots a game Keith Bogans is going to take is yeah. going to really affect the game plan too much. Well, but what I'm saying is don't let him – I'm not saying he's the main focus of your defense, but the little report you've got on Bogan is get out there on the three. If he shot fakes against you, don't charge out against him because he can't hit a two-pointer for the life of him. He will hit a layup. So no layups, no threes. Give him anything in the mid-range game. 84% of his made field goal attempts this playoffs has been a three-point shot. It says it all. Mm-hmm. Says it all. Played a hell of a season. Played two great series, though. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's been awesome defensively, and and I swear to you, it feels like when the ball gets rotated to him and, and he's wide open, he's been hitting that shot on a mm-hmm. consistent basis. Yep. Not everyone, but I, I, he, it's it's been strong so far this year, and he's been he's been the second kicking boy on the on the Bulls, Carlos Boozer and Keith Bogut. Mm-hmm. But I won't let people get away with kicking Keith Bogut because. Yep. I like his uh, his team first attitude. Yeah, though. the two of us have had that uh, had that opinion not just for the playoffs. We've said since the start of the season that you know no one's calling Keith Bogan an All American or anything, but he's a valuable piece, and I think it was a good coaching move by Thibodeau to keep him in the starting lineup. Uh, by the way, both he and Dang, I meant to bring this up a couple of days ago. Neither of them made first or second team All Defense. Big dog, in my opinion, there are there are not five better defenders in the NBA than both Lou Dang and Keith Bogans. You know what? Jack Ramsey, yep. Dr. Jack Ramsey, Dr. Jack. said Keith Bogan should have won Defensive Player of the Year. I, I respect that, the doc. That's, uh, yeah, I respect it. I think that's a little bold statement. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. But Lou Aldangoch has been superb. How people don't say he's one of the, yep. the top three small forwards defensively in the NBA. He can't even get an honorable mm-hmm. mention defensive team. Here, here's the here's the deal, and I think you're you're enough of a purist to appreciate this, big dog. Guys like uh, you know producer David Olson, some of our uh, you know mid level NBA fan, they'll watch for the steal, 
Just got to take a shot at Dave. Just want you to make you feel like you're part of the show. Uh, they'll watch for the big block shot. You know, that that stuff is part of defense, too. But, but you know, the real, the real key to good defenders are your heart and soul, blood and guts, middle of the game guys that just move their feet, refuse to allow penetration, close out, and the defenders get a hand up on the ball. And Luol Deng and Keith Bogus, as far as pressuring the basketball and not getting beat off the dribble, being active defensively, they might be the two best that I've seen this year. Period. Now, now Coach, who did they? Who was named as the the small forward on the oh, All NBA team? I know LeBron was on the uh, first team All Defensive team. I think so Raj. So they, say, so they say LeBron James. Is which the, is, and, and he's a you know for for a superstar, he is a good defender. Yes. I, I still think Luol Deng's better. I, Ra- I, I Rajon Rondo was Rajon Rondo. I think was the first team All Defensive point guard. Okay, was Dwayne Wade on it? No. Oh, Kobe Bryant. I believe so. Okay. And then, uh, so obviously Dwight, LeBron James, so then it would be... Dwight uh, Howard, I think. Is the set. That's definitely uh, good. So uh, uh, Tim Duncan is is one of the forwards a lot of times. Um, no, Duncan wasn't on there. Okay. At any rate. At any rate. They're, both of them are great defenders, and, they, and certainly in the first two teams they should have been in there. But, uh, all right, so the uh, Bulls take on the Heat. Big dome. we got to move along. we got other stories here, but it was a great win. Congrats to our Chicago Bulls. going to be a lot of fun uh, talking to the Bulls and the Heat the next couple of weeks. Let's hope the series goes on for a while before we leave it, Big Dog. It sounds like you are predicting the uh, Chicago Bulls. Pretty good chance of beating the Heat. I, I'm, yeah, I, with my head and my heart, I'm going all in, Coach. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls get it done. Beautiful. It's going to be a great series, though, Coach, a phenomenal series. Mm-hmm. All right, looking forward to it. Hey, real quick, uh, connected to the series, and I've only watched this guy a couple of times, but very sad, very tragic story from yesterday. David Olson, I don't know if you've had any contact or know anything about it, but uh, one of our Bulls reporters, one of our sports reporters for NBC, Big Dog, at the age of 38, Daryl Hawks was found dead in the, uh, his hotel room. In Atlanta, absolutely shocking story. Was he the league? See, I don't watch. The yeah, yeah, he's, sports. Uh, he's NBC's. Uh, he's uh, he's their lead. WMAQ's sport. lead sports guy, wow. coach. Wow. Oh yeah, that's that's really really sad, coach. Unbelievable. It's really sad. It's, you know, it doesn't really matter at this point, but it's going to be interesting to see what the heck happened. But uh, 38 years old, young guy in great shape, wife, three kids at home. Horrible, horrible story, and. Uh, I'm assuming more details will come out, Big Dog, but again, it doesn't matter what happens. The tragedy has happened, and we lost Terrell Hawks. Did you watch him occasionally on NBC? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I got a weird connection to this story. Is uh, A few years back, there was a guy by the name of Dorian Chapman. Do you remember Dorian yeah, I, Chapman? I do remember Dorian, yep. Uh, Dorian Chapman comes, this is before I started doing the morning break with you. I'm doing the 30-minute uh, shot clock on uh, WSBC. Mm-hmm. He comes in, and I start talking to Dorian, and he's like, hey, why don't we go out to lunch? Dorian Chapman takes me out to lunch. He comes in and does my show in studio, Coach. Wow. Okay? He's like, you know, I, I think you're really good at this. Why don't you meet Larry Work? Come on down to NBC on Wednesday, and we'll meet Larry Work. And on Tuesday, Dorian Chapman died of a heart attack. Wow. wow. And he was MB- and he was NBC's lead anchor, and he was in his late thirties, just like Daryl Hawks. Interesting. And that was like it was like ten years ago, almost to the day, isn't it? You know it, it, what I mean? it was less than that because Daryl replaced Darian. So, boy, that's really freaky. So two consecutive reporters both dying at an early age. So, well, how did uh, Dorian Chapman we, die? He was, was a heart, heart attack. attack. 
Wow. Uh-huh. And, and he had just been married weeks earlier, Coach. He had, like, this, this, this sweet, really nice wife. And, well, I mean, what a nice guy. He, he found out I was, he was brand new to Chicago. Mm-hmm. found out I was a, a, a small sports guy in the, in the city of Chicago, so he starts hanging out with me. We start talking Chicago sports. He really I, – I didn't feel, I ever felt like I was getting used by him. But, like, he was kind of, hey, I want to learn the city of Chicago from a guy who knows the city. So we just talk sports. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and then, you know, like, I was, I was weird. I was like, I knew the guy for, like, a week. I felt like I had a friend, and then he dies of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know what wow. I mean? And then who am I to say, like, I'm sad? It was kind of strange. I was as devastated as anybody in the city of Chicago in some weird way. And I felt like I really just found a friend. You're and actually. Then, but, but, but then who was I to say the guy was my friend? I didn't even know him a whole week, you know? So I was like, I felt like really weird about it when I went to the funeral. So Not to take it the wrong way or anything, but you're lucky it was a heart attack and not foul play, because if it was foul play, you probably would have been a suspect, Big Duck. Recent acquaintances? I, I've considered taking out like 15 or 20 radio show hosts here in the city. Eventually we get our spot coach. <laughs> I mean, really, does, does, would anybody really miss Dan Bernstein? Come on. <laughs> it's one way to climb the ladder. Yeah, well, I mean, I've thought, I've considered it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Mark Silverman's whiny. Okay, I wouldn't kill Waddle. He actually has done something in the in the city of Chicago. <laughs> what else we got? Dan uh-huh. McNeil. I've never listened to a second, but you say he's good, so I wouldn't miss him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Carmen DeFalco has had like this the prim and proper fancy pants life this whole time, and had has had everything <laughs> handed to him. So who would really care if he was missed? Uh-huh. You know. So I mean, we could we could probably uh, coach we. We you know we do this right, okay? <laughs> they won't listen to our tapes. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, we take no, out one at a time, and sooner or later, left. huh? There'll be no sports guys left. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to have David Olson when because uh, we're, we're gonna need an alibi, so we're gonna have to actually actually <laughs> act like we're doing live shows. You know, uh, when when they're actually taped. Yeah. Because if somebody's getting knocked off at ten thirty in the morning, who's gonna think we did it? We're working, right? Yeah. Works. Works for me. I sent our last tapes in, by the way. We got our, a reference, I think, from Les Grobstein. That might have been the problem. Probably shouldn't have had Les recommend us. The Grobber. Yeah. Interesting. Well, at any rate, that's uh, we'll find out more about it, but just a horrible, horrible story. Yeah, I, did, young, yeah, I didn't mean to. Oh, there I go. No. That was really bad. I can't uh, believe young, I turned into that. But, young yeah. Daryl Hawes. By the way, before we go to baseball, my friend, you were uh, you're not often wrong, but you were wrong yesterday, and I was right to tune in, by the way. I did tape. And watch the uh, end of the second period, all of the third period of Game Seven. The Red Wings taking on the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks held on. Big Dog won the game three to two. And your good friend, your relative, Anti Niemi, was outstanding. I, I, I guess I ended up seeing the the last part of that game, and it was uh, the people in San Jose were really relieved. And who are the, are the Sharks the favorite now, Coach? You know, well, I mean, that was a that was a big emotional and mental obstacle to overcome mm-hmm. you got vancouver a one seed taking on the san jose sharks a two seed i like i like uh, and, and it's a big difference in points if you remember it was like vancouver was the clear number one off season yep. and two to 12 in the western conference seemed like it was changing the whole i mean there's like we're in we're in 12th right now we can be in second in a week mm-hmm. so i was thinking about difference. I was thinking about you when you said San Jose was, you know, the great choke artist in the uh, NHL over the years. That's their history, and they they got a three to one lead early in the third period. The fans were feeling it. You thought, you know, from two to one to three to one. Okay, they got the two goal lead. It's over. Uh, and then you watch the third period unfold. About ten minutes left, eight minutes left, and the Red Wings, sure enough, with about seven minutes left, Pavel Durek, is that his name? 
Well, there's Pavel Dasuk. Yeah, Pavel Dasuk made one of the prettiest goals you would ever want to see, a backhander, which he lifted right over the uh, extended shoulder of an Antoniemi, and he makes it 3-2, to two, and you're thinking they're going to find a way to blow it. Yes. They're yes, going to find really, yeah. Yeah, and Detroit had some great opportunities last three, four minutes. Again, I haven't watched hockey since the Hawks lost, but uh, just watching that third period, a little bit of the second period, good stuff, Big Dog. Great, great entertainment, the sport of hockey. Uh, we just don't give it enough attention. Yeah, Patrick Marlowe, uh, one, one of the great players in the game that nobody really knows anything about because he plays in San Jose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's, uh, he actually had a really big game yesterday for the Sharks. Mm-hmm. All right, so San Jose moves on. Don't forget on the other half that you got Boston Bruins taking on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So those are the final four in your NHL. Also, before we get to baseball, Big Dog, the Players' Championship, some say it's not one of the four majors, but maybe the biggest tournament outside one of the four majors. Uh, beautiful Pontra Vidra Beach, Florida. Love Pontra Vidra. I've never been there, but I just love saying it. Uh, the TPC Sawgrass course, Tiger Woods had to... Remove himself yesterday because of injury, and Nick Watney is your early leader. But Tiger is out, and the young kids are ready to take over again. Yeah, I would. It's either this one or the Western Open here in Chicago that is the biggest non-major mm-hmm. uh, in the game of golf. And uh, and I'm going to remind you of this, coach. I've actually played that course. Okay. And, uh, the the PPC at Stockton. so you have you have been in Pontra Beach, Florida. Yeah, not only I mean, I've played the golf course at 5 o'clock oh, in the morning. And nice. It was a late October. There was all kind of palmetto bugs everywhere. There was there's this one, there's this like crazy leaf, like that helicopter leaf mm-hmm. everywhere because it's that's where the, the, the leaves fall. But I played that at 5 o'clock in the morning. Did you by any chance? I had a very good time, Coach. Did you by any chance urinate on one of the beautiful trees lining that eighth green? I played it with uh, the head groundskeeper. Uh, that's who I played, though. Okay. So I did not urinate anywhere or disrespect <laughs> the course whatsoever, Coach. Uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, then let's again. Just, let's just say I, I was consuming massive amounts of alcohol at when five, it happened. At 5 in the morning? Yes. Interesting. Uh, I actually was supposed to be on a plane about 8 to 10 hours earlier. Security! When I, when I got back from dinner... They had cleaned my room out, and they had didn't realize I was there for another day, so I ended up missing my plane. Okay, so I missed my plane. I'm at I'm at the Marriott where the the sea and sawgrass is actually is held. Okay. These are one of those. It's a five hundred dollar a night uh, hotel room. Okay, I'm down there for work because this is when I'm doing the infrared imaging. Mm-hmm. You know, and I come down, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I was like, my my boss is all mad at me, and I, I was like, he even knows it's not my fault, and he's still yelling at me. I was like, I, you know, I'm, I've had a lot of problems with this. We, so they took care of my of my plane reservation, and they're like, "Will that be enough, sir?" I'm like, "No." They like, well, well, here's breakfast, and I'm like, "Do you really think breakfast is gonna?" I was like, "I'm supposed to be with my girlfriend right now. I was thinking about asking her to marry me." I came up with as many lies as I possibly could, coach. <laughs> and finally, finally, at like, I'm not kidding you. At, it's like 11 o'clock at night. The guy's like, "Do you want to play the golf course?" Yes, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do ding, that. Ding. Uh, so, uh, we have a winner. The guy makes a phone call. He tells me five o'clock in the morning. You meet right here, and the head groundskeeper will be there. And I got there the next morning, and I ended up the the, the island hole, all that on seventeen did it all, coach. And I played the best round of golf I've ever played. I, I, I actually, I for some reason, I've never even I've been nothing but horrific on the golf course. I was actually only bad that day, mm-hmm. and it was 
definitely the hardest golf course I've ever played, period. So I was I was fine. I didn't even. They made a mistake, big deal. They took care of the flight. They they fed me. It was a big deal. I, I was the greatest acting job I've ever done. Mm-hmm. They finally were like, okay, you can play the course. Okay. So the key to you. have to say, get me out on that golf course. So it sounds like for you to play a good game of golf, possibly 5 o'clock in the morning and uh, four or five, maybe seven or eight beverages, and you're good to go. I played at my skill level. I don't care if I'm in a room full of models yeah. or heifers. Did you, you know what I'm saying? I played at my level of the competition. Did you stay within yourself? Uh, i got to be quite honest with you, Coach. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I had drank all the way through 5 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and, and amongst other things. And when I had started, I maybe I was just extremely relaxed is the best way. I went to the John Daly theory of playing golf. <laughs> okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of John Daly theories, but did you did you keep the ball low? Uh, I kept. I don't even remember, Coach. Did I really you? wish I didn't actually do that. What I did that I, I I partied so much that I can't even remember the golf course. <laughs> Honestly, I ain't gonna right. lie. I got on the plane. I remember that day like around noon, and I, I legitimately remember like the plane taking off, mm-hmm. and then like somebody shaking me, being like, "Hey, hey, hey, get off the plane." <laughs> By the way, I'm almost afraid to ask this question. Before I do, I got to mention Lucas Glover. By the way, he's in second place in that tournament. Is it just me, Big Dog, or is Lucas Glover like in the top five of every tournament the last eight tournaments? He is he the number one guy in the world right now? I don't know. I, no, because Tiger Woods is still eighth. So I. I I have no idea why it takes so long in a game of golf to go up or down. But Tiger Woods hasn't won an event in like two calendar years, and he's still eighth in the world. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's how they do it. That's fine. I'm just I was just a little shocked to see that yep. he's eighth because yeah, the arrow moves very years, slowly. Even in the top hundred, very slowly in golf the year. I think Seve Ballesteros, who died last week, he's still ranked number eleven. That's good. That's good. So, though. I yeah. love Seve. Yeah, Class they, act right there, and he will be missed in the golf world. Yeah, no question so. about it. Now again, I'm almost afraid to ask, but you mentioned. One of your jobs I might not be aware of, did you mention infrared imaging? Yeah, when I got out of college, I don't know if you know this, but I actually had a pretty prestigious degree from a prestigious university. So I was sent around the country to check infrastructures of buildings. Uh, by that, I would make sure that um, they weren't about to fall down. You know, you do it with an infrared camera, Coach. Okay. I know you're laughing at me or whatever, but you asked. Okay, so it takes infrared camera. And I can tell the different temperatures of the building. And that way I would know if there was cracks in the foundations mm-hmm. and whether or not it was going to fall. And then, so I was doing that to a bunch of buildings in Florida. So I would stay at different resorts and do a bunch of buildings in the, in the, in the, in the area. And also check all the electrical equipment. Cause you can basically, you could like point to say at a transformer and be like, Oh, that thing's going to blow at 842 degrees. Mm-hmm. Cause it'll tell you the exact temperature of anything. Okay. So if you see like a long line of, well, it's, 80 degrees on the wall there, but it's it's 78 there. Well, there's a crack in the foundation because the air conditioning is leaking and the building's going to fall down. So over your 19-year professional career, you started as a building structure specialist using highly technical devices with infrared imaging, and 20 years later, you're giving tours on a a kayak. Yes, exactly, Coach. Interesting. And, of course, doing award-winning sports talk radio with me. I'm much happier now. I gotta be honest with you, coach. I, I, I left that job because I wrote a television, uh, sitcom. Uh-oh. And I've got, I've got seven episodes written. The name of this show is called Dick. Dick? And I, and I was trying to get it on air. And basically, I, I, that, 
that job was way too time consuming, legitimately, Coach. I mean, I, that was I was working like seventy what? hours a week. What was so. the show called, Vic? Dick. Dick. And who? What was it about? It, it was uh, about a guy who uh, can't get a real job and is trying to get his life straight. And he's got a really nagging girlfriend, and his mom is really all over him all the time. And he does a lot of stuff that could seem really funny to some people or mm -hmm. really aggravating to others. Mm -hmm. Sounds like two guys and a man. I think they someone stole your idea. Two and a half men. Oh yeah. What did I say to it? I got two guys in a mic two guys a radio and a man? show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like. Sounds I've like. I've never seen an episode of that show. Everybody tells me it's great. I I've watched men. maybe five minutes one time and about ten minutes another time. I don't think I've ever watched a show start to finish. So I would be uh, like you. I'll take people's words for granted. Uh, you know, honestly, Coach, I have not watched any. What do you call it, the three major networks or the four if you include Fox? Network television? Mm -hmm. I, I have not watched any network television that does not involve sports in probably yeah. 20 years. I'm not kidding you. People, have you ever seen CSI? Yeah. What? The, I don't know. All these, and like the law and orders and all that. I've never seen an yeah. episode of any I'm, of those things. You know, people talk Glee. I have no idea. Oh. I have no idea. Now you hit oh. one that I do watch, Glee, but I've never watched the CSI, never watched... Um... Never watched 24. I don't know what channel that was on or any That's of the. Uh, huh? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't watched any of those. Yep. And I'm not ripping them or saying you're wrong if you mm -hmm. watch them. People, it's just like I, I have not. Like uh, my whole idea of what the television is for has changed because, like, when I was 15 years old, coach, I could have told you who was on every single show I watched. That's all I did was watch television. Mm -hmm. So. By the way, the rumor is out, David Olson. I'm not sure if you can confirm and/or deny that Ashton Kuchar. Might be taking the spot of Charlie Sheen in two guys and a two and a half men. Two. That, That's a, that appears wow. to be what's happening. Hugh Grant was offered the job, turned it down. <laughs> Hugh Grant. Yeah, yeah. I know Grant. they were very close to signing him, and okay. then apparently they went in a different direction. And it looks like uh, Aston Kutcher is going to return. Do you think either of these guys, when they're considering it, do you do you call up a Charlie Sheen and ask him? You know, hey, are you yeah, cool with you it? Do. You, you do. You do. I think so too. Why? It's, as messed Why? up as he is, I think that's common courtesy. Uh, Why? I, I it's wanted, his role. No, it's not. He got fired from that role. Well, it's not his job anymore. But he's the guy who... He's, he, bur he burned that bridge and pissed on the ashes. You no, don't no, know you're, him you're, anything. You're right that he did all that, but I, I just think out of good karma, you do it. And let's face it, no matter... Uh, Ashton Kutcher would be better than Hugh Grant, I think. But who knows, actually? Who knows? Hugh Grant's been pretty funny in some mm -hmm. movies. Now, what, what, uh, even David Olsen, even, even if you ask him... Now, if he says no... You still might do it, but at least you the courtesy of hey. Yeah, at least you know it's a, where no, no, you don't know him anything. You don't know him anything. You know you're, you're, he, you're, you're he, he squandered right, he squandered that opportunity. Would, he squandered it, and he has no involvement in the show. You, you know you don't know him anything. Big dog, I like that quote from uh, David Olson. Though we may have to make a song, or maybe your next comedy about it or drama. But uh, he burned that bridge and pissed on the ashes. I Not think bad. you. You and That's me what need... he did. Huh? That's what he did. I mean, he basically spit in the face of everybody that is producing and paying him for that show. Exactly. Which he should not have done. Highest paid actor on television mm -hmm. on top of that. And, and, then, and then he goes and does that. I mean, higher, uh, second behind Judge Judy, I think. The, well, she's you know not, what, a, she's not, not an she actor. She makes a lot of money, doesn't she? Oh, goodness. She, she makes, like, unreal money. Uh, she makes, like, a hundred yeah. grand an episode she or just something signed, like that. She signed a new six, seven-year contract. That could have been you, Big Duck. 
You, and you could say, oh, she only makes a hundred grand an episode. Charlie Sheen makes like two and a half million an episode. <laughs> this woman, all she has to do is for a half hour a day, sit down in front of a bench, listen to something, and then go with it. Like she legit, an hour she has to be there at the most. <laughs> Charlie Sheen has to shoot these things for twenty hours a day. And there's, and you know, and plus she gets five shows a week. She's making half a mil a week. That's not bad. I can I can deal with it. That's good money, Coach. Oh, no, no, no. It's an even better deal than that because she'll probably come in and they'll probably shoot three or four episodes in a day, and they'll knock out twenty or thirty episodes in a week, and then she's off for months at a time. You're, you're, and it's a hundred grand an episode. So you're exactly right, Dave. How that's that's a nice nice deal. Now, when you're talking about what should you call for, when I when I meant I would call Charlie Sheen is just to like get the temperature of what's going on mm-hmm. and almost his side of the story, really. Yeah. But uh, you're right. I, if he told me you, you better not do it, I, that wouldn't stop me from doing it. That Dave, would not. David, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Judge Joel. No, there I think you have be it. better as a two-and-a-half-man guy because I kind of live Judge the Charlie Sheen life right now without the money. Be a heck of a show. All right, we got to wrap it up. Big dog, the good news is, uh, you know, we got to a lot of sports today. We covered our Chicago Bulls. We got sidetracked a little bit. The uh, Well, I should say the bad news is we didn't get to some of the things, but the good news is we don't have to talk Chicago baseball today. We get a day off of talking about the Sox or Cubs. Well, you know, we still didn't talk about the major meltdown that the Angels had against the White Sox the other day, which was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen, the way they blew that game. Yep, unfortunately, unless you can wrap it up in 10 seconds, we got to do a talk about it on Tuesday. So we'll talk about it Tuesday, people. All right, beautiful. We're off on Monday, Big Dog. I will have you, uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, my friend. Big Dog has signed off. David Olson, our producer, great job today and each and every day of the entire week. We thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Have a great weekend. It's talkzone.com and two guys in a mic. Signing off back at Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Don't be late.